This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Glad to see you all here today. Amen. I'm about to celebrate Jesus. And maybe some people will make the decision to get to go be with Jesus forever when you die. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to tell you, for our church, we're a, we're a Jesus church. We're not a, we're not a multi, multi-religion church. We're a Jesus church. And we talk about Jesus here. And our number one goal at every service is to make sure that people know how to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and go to heaven, because Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And I'm just, I, I just think of the worship of God a minute ago. There's only two reasons why people would, would, when they die, would miss going to heaven. Number one would be ignorance, because they don't know what the Word of God has to say about Jesus and how to get to heaven. And then number two would be disobedience, because once they know, they don't do what they know to do. And, you know, those little children were so wonderful what they did. Those little children really, they preached the gospel through everything they did there. The gospel's good news. Amen. Good news about eternity. Good news about how you can be blessed today in all that you do. And so we're so grateful for the children. I just, I just want to say, I know they're not here to hear this or the, or the leaders, but man, they really, really, really worked hard for a long time to get that all together. Amen. Let's, let's give them a hand even though they're not here. And, and you know, I was looking at all the costumes and everything that happened and all those, all those, uh, 40-some children doing what they were doing, that I know it took a lot of help from parents and grandparents and a lot of work on costumes and just all the other people involved to bring them to all those practices to do all they did. But I really think they did an awesome job of what they did to work together and not be jumping around and crawling on the floor. And like last year, how many were here last year for the Christmas play? Well, I had a couple grandkids. Was it Easter? <laughs> I had a couple, had three, had, have, have three grandchildren of the same family that were up there. Until we saw it on video, we couldn't tell what really happened. But it was almost, almost like something out of Home Alone or something. They were up there doing the thing. And one of my little grandchildren had her brother right next to her. And if you wasn't watching real close to the video, you missed the whole thing. Because all we saw was his part and didn't see her part. They were up here to play with all the people out there watching. And all of a sudden, in the middle of all the good stuff, he was stumped on his toe. And we didn't see that. All we saw was the... <laughs> and so then that stuff all happened. But praise God, nobody kicked anybody today. Nobody hit anybody today. They all did really good. So let's give the Lord a hand for that. <laughs> that was so good. Does anybody need a sermon outline? If you didn't get a sermon outline, hold up your hand and uh, ushers are right here to make sure you get one of those. And, uh, you know, if you see the small print on the bottom, it says you don't leave unless you get all the answers right. Just joking. It doesn't say that. <laughs> but it's always nice to have something to take home with you so you can remember what it was you heard and maybe get to check it out later. And of course, everybody knows that after that after the uh, sermon this morning, we're going to have a, a really nice lunch over here, a nice dinner, and it's going to be lots of people working on that, and lots of effort going into that. So it'll be plenty for everybody, because we believe the Bible, and we know that when Jesus fed the multitudes, He blessed the fishes and loaves, and then they had more than enough when they got finished to have a lot more to take home. So 
Jesus is blessed of what we're doing. There'll be more than enough, so don't worry about it. I believe that some people get blessed with some leftovers to take home because Jesus is in it. But anyway, today we're going to be looking at a short, simple little exhortation, little sermon from the Gospel of John. And so in my Bible, I noticed the other day, if you want to open up your Bibles to John chapter 1, and it'll be on the screen, and I know some of you have it uh, on your cell phones and your different devices, but uh, atop my Bible title of this book, it says, The Gospel According to John. The Gospel According to John. And gospel means good news. Gospel means good news. And so if you have one of those uh, sermon outlines and they got to fill in a blank on there, you put in there, good news. The gospel's good news. And this according to John, one of the apostles. John's known as the apostle of love. The Apostle Love, a lot of his writings in the Gospel of John and also in the, at the end of the Bible in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, he teaches a whole lot about the love of God, but also how people can love one another because of Jesus living in them. And so he's the Apostle of Love. He walked with Jesus on earth probably closer than any of the other apostles. He lived a lot longer than all the apostles. He lived well over a 100 years old. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus appeared to him and gave him the words for the book of Revelation. How many have ever read the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible? It tells a lot about end times. Well, he's the one that Jesus talked to in that. And so since we're in the season to celebrate the birth of life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I want to take a, take a few minutes to look at some of John's observations and memories of Jesus while they were on the earth together. Some of John's observations and memories that are recorded here in the Gospel of John. And so I'm going to read a few verses and talk about them. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 and verse 14, tells a whole lot about who Jesus really was and actually who he is. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, you know, if, you, if you're not from a Christian background and, and not a church person, read the Bible, you may not know what that means, but... In Christianity, we call the Bible the Word. We call it the Word of God. And so it says the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. It says the same was in the beginning with God. It says the Word was always with God. All things were made by Him, by the Word of God. All things were made by the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. But I want you to notice verse 14 then. Skip down a few verses. And then it explains here what he's really talking about. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And a lot of new trans, a lot of the newer translations that aren't King James, but are ways to make you understand the Bible better, says that the Word of God became flesh or grew flesh. And like the children, uh, Quoted from up there, they're quoting out of the book of Luke and out of the book of Matthew. They, they talked about the fact that the Holy Ghost put Jesus in Mary's womb. And so Mary, a woman, young girl, had never known a man in marriage yet, that God caused her to get pregnant by placing Jesus as the Word of God into her womb. And then Jesus then, the Word of God that it says, grew flesh. How many know that when a baby starts off, that life begins at conception. And when the baby's planted in the womb, 
It starts growing and developing little organs and little body parts, fingers and toes, as, the, as, as, it, as it develops more and more and more and more. As this one is talking about Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God, was put in Mary's womb and he began to develop as a human being. He was God, but God sent him down here to earth to become a man. And he sent him down here so that every, every, everything he was, we could become. We could become sons and daughters of God. Because Jesus come to earth, become one of us. Amen. Amen. That's what Jesus wants for us, become his son or his daughter. So Jesus is the living word of God. He's the living word of God. God gave us the written word, the words of our Bible, to reveal to us the living word. The Lord Jesus Christ, who's the Savior of the world to all that believe. Jesus Christ, the answers to all the problems of the world. Whatever your problems are in life you're facing today, whatever it is, no matter how impossible it looks, no matter how many people are against you, or how many people are for you, it makes no difference. God is always for you. Jesus is the answer to all your problems. And I think about, I think about my own life. I, I, I met Jesus back in January of 1980, but I, I never. I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I was raised uh, in a sinner family. A family didn't know God, didn't go to church. And in 1979, I was 28 years old, and I just got tired of stupid life. I don't know about you. Do you ever get tired of stupid life? You just do everything you know to do, and just somewhere on the inside of you, things don't feel right. You think, man, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be something else to life. And so I wasn't what you call a real bad sinner. I didn't kill anybody or go around beating up people or Stuff like that. I mean, I just did what people do that don't really know God. I, I drank, I cussed, I smoked, I did other things that were just not really things I wanted to do all the time because I knew smoking would kill me eventually. And I knew what happened to people that drank all the time because I had plenty of family members drinking. I did too. And I just thought, man, I, you know, something's missing here. I don't know what to do. So I started going to church to hear something, you know, thought there's got to be something to help me. But long story short, on January 29th, 1980, I gave my life to Jesus. When I gave, amen. When I gave my life to Jesus, then, then on the inside of me, like those little children talked about up there, like that little girl said over here, said, Oh, I feel good now. I feel better. Amen. And that was because of the inside of me, something changed. On the inside of me, I wasn't a son of God. I was just a person that lived without God. I, I knew about God, but I didn't know God. And I heard about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. But when I met Jesus, peace came into me. And then that's been almost 38 years ago. And over 38 years ago, I got the answers to all my problems in life. And, Pastor, did the problems go away? No, they got worse. Because of the spiritual arena, you can't see it. You cannot see Jesus or God with your natural eyes. With the eyes of your spirit, you see things. And in your heart, you know things. Well, in the spiritual world that you can't see, there's not just God and Jesus. There really are demons. There really is a devil. There really are things going on. And so when you cross the line from being an unsaved person, being a saved person or a person that's born again and knows God, the devil doesn't like it because he considers you to be a traitor. He had control over your life. He doesn't like you when you desert his family. So when you become a child of God, the devil doesn't like it. 
he'll do things to try to trip you up and pull you down. But praise God, we have the answer. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, didn't just become a human being, but he grew up to be 33 years old. At a 33 years old, your head can't understand it, but for 33 years he never sinned. He didn't lie. He didn't get into sexual things he shouldn't be in. He didn't cheat. He didn't steal. He didn't gossip. He lived the life in a physical body as a human being, but he was God inside of that body. So, so then at 33 years old, we always have Easter. We celebrate Easter in America. Well, on Easter day, Jesus arose from the dead. He died on the cross and God allowed Jesus to go to hell for three days to take on the sins of all mankind. Jesus took our sins. We, as human beings, deserve judgment and punishment forever and ever and ever and ever, the Bible says. And so that God sent Jesus, he took that punishment. He took that judgment. And he was raised from the dead as a victorious son of God. He's the only begotten son of God, but we could all become sons and daughters of God. If we say, Jesus, I believe you were God's son. You died for my sins. You were raised from the dead. Amen. And so I believed that 38 years ago, come January. I believed that. And so all the problems that come my way, the difference was this time that before I received Jesus, I went nuts when crisis attacked. When people lied on me or when I did wrong things, and didn't have the answers, you just become a basket case. But after I received Jesus, I knew I could pray to the Father. Jesus said, if you ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. And so I knew I could pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And because, because we have a spiritual enemy called the devil. In the book of James, James said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And so then when alcohol problems or people problems, Crisis came, I'd say, Father, I submit to you in the name of Jesus, and I want to thank you. You've got the answers. And I'd say, Devil, I resist you in Jesus' name. You have no control of my life anymore. You can't control my family anymore. We don't belong to you. I submit to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you know what? We've got the answers every time. Yeah. Every time God came through and he helped me because I knew him now. I was his son. He was my father. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. And so for your, for your servant outline, Jesus was the Word of God in action. Jesus was the Word of God in action. He's the living Word, and this is the written Word, reveals to us the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we see what the Word of God says, we look at Jesus, we see what to do and what He's done for us. Amen. Amen. I want to look at verse 29. Because we're looking at some of, some, of the, some of the good news, according to John, what he saw, what he observed as an eyewitness of Jesus Christ living on the earth. And so, uh, he's ta- now, here in verse 29, he's talking about John the Baptist. If you'll notice in verse 6, it says that there's a man come on the scene named John, and he was John the Baptist. Have you heard of John the Baptist? Amen. We've got the good Baptist churches, man. John the Baptist. Amen. <laughs> And so John the Baptist, in verse 29, made this statement. It says, The next day John, seeing Jesus coming to him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
This is an observation of something John the Apostle saw when John the Baptist came. He said, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus was born to die on the cross to wash away our sins with his blood. Amen. I'll tell you what, that makes me on the inside jump and shout. That Jesus came to take away my sin. You know, we say sometimes that uh, I had a debt I couldn't pay, and he paid a debt he didn't owe. Amen. I could, I could not myself get out of all the messes I used to get into, but Jesus came and got me out of the mess. Amen. And today, he still walks with me. You know, I know there's a song that my grandma, she was a good Baptist lady that prayed me out of more than one mess. But uh, I remember my grandma's memorial service when she died at 95 years old, giving praise to Jesus, man. She lived it all out. And at 95 years old, she didn't die sick. Grandma died saved. She's got tired of living, man. Her old body wore out. Grandma wanted to go to heaven. But I remember there's a song I used to hear him sing in the Baptist church when I was a boy. He walks with me and talks with me. Long life's weary way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. But anyway, I remember grandma's Funeral. We were looking up there at the casket back in, I came from Indiana. In Indiana, they don't cremate everybody. They have caskets. And so I know some people out here do, but not most people don't. But we looked at Grandma laying up there so sweet, just laying there. They sang that song, In the Garden, He Come to Talk With Me. Walked me. Look, Grandma, I thought, wow, he really did with Grandma. But then I know now what Grandma knew. He walks with me. He talks with me. And Grandma knew how to pray. When I was 16 years old, when I was 16 years old, as a young sinner boy, I did what my parents did, what my aunts and uncles did. We were from the samples, found me a long line of drunks. And so at 16 years old, I was so proud, I was able to slip out and get somebody to buy me booze so I could have booze too like my parents. Hey, that, that was my family legacy. At 16 years old, there was an accident involving a drunken driver. And I was the drunk at 16 years old. And the police came on the scene and said I was dead. And they called for the coroner. And so before the coroner got there, they had to call a superior officer on the scene. And he came and he got down. I know this because of what the police said. He got down and listened to my chest and said, I think this boy is still alive. I woke up in the criminal ward at the county hospital chained to a thing with a doctor sewing my head together. And then later on, I found out how Grandma was praying for me, for me not to die. At 16 years old, I would have been dead and in hell today if my Grandma had not prayed for me. I praise God that Grandma prayed me out of that mess. At 19 years old, my appendix ruptured, and I didn't know Jesus. And I got peritonitis. I was in the critical thing at the hospital for 11 days. Getting, boy, I tell you, it was a mess. IVs into me and all that kind of stuff for 11 days. I was between life and death. And I found out again, Grandma prayed me out of that one. Praise God she prayed me out of it. But thank God, at 28 years old, I received Jesus myself. And I learned how to start praying. And now I prayed myself out of a lot of messes. But I prayed a whole lot more people out of messes. And amen. Give the Lord praise for what He does for us. And you know, I, I want to say this. There's probably a lot of you in here right now that have been in some messes 
that you got out of, you didn't know it, but you had a grandma praying for you. Or an aunt or an uncle or somebody else that knows God. You didn't even know it because at 16 years old, I was totally oblivious to what was going on. I didn't know about heaven. I didn't know about hell. I didn't know about a praying grandma that had influence in heaven that got me out of that. When I was in that hospital at 19 years old, in between life and death with that gangrene peritonitis on the inside of me, I didn't know about heaven and hell. All I knew was I just lay there just a dummy, just laying there. But praise God, somebody knew how to get a hold of God. And so I'm telling you for where you are today, you know, you may have been pulled out of some life and death situations and just didn't think anything about it. You just go on living, man, everything's okay. But I'm telling you what, God wants you to give him your heart. So you can not only be a person that knows God and learns how to pray for yourself, so you can pray for your own sons and daughters. So you can pray for your brothers and sisters. So you can pray for your children. So maybe you could pray for your parents that don't know God yet. I personally got to hold hands with my mom and my dad both before they went into eternity and prayed with them that prayer of salvation to receive Jesus. And so my dad and mom wasn't able to get me uh, to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but hallelujah, grandma prayed me in and I prayed my dad and mom in and got them into heaven. Amen. Amen. So I'm telling you, this thing is so real. And I'm so grateful for Christmas time that we're able to talk to so many people about what it's all about. Let them know this is for real. Eternity's forever. Amen. Amen. So John the Baptist said that this is the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And then I want you to notice uh, in verse 48. In verse 48, this is this is about a, a, a young man that became a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. And. When his brother was telling him about Jesus, this guy didn't know what to think about. Anyway, get to verse 48. Then this Nathaniel then uh, was introduced to Jesus, and Nathaniel said unto him, Which knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. He said, I saw you, and I knew you before you even knew me. And so Jesus saw you and knew you even before you heard of him. Jesus knows who you are right now. And you know something else I learned personally years and years and years ago? Jesus even sees you when you're drinking that beer. Jesus sees you when you're doing that dope. Jesus sees you in whatever you're doing. He knows it. And he's calling after you. How do I know that? Well, back in the 70s, back in Indianapolis, I was a truck driver. And we got paid on Thursdays, so on Thursdays we went down to the place called the Sunshine Inn. And it wasn't a church. <laughs> it, it was a little, it was a little family tavern type place, but us truck drivers went down there, we cashed our checks and sat around, drank a few beers, and some of the dummy ones, uh, spent a whole lot more of the check than what they should, so when they got home they got knots on their head. <laughs> I was one of the dummies. <laughs> but praise God, I'm delivered of that kind of thing. But anyway, uh, Jesus was the farthest thing from my mind back in those days. But me and my brother-in-law were sitting there one night. And we were having a conversation about religion. I say about religion because we didn't know about Jesus. We just thought anything to do with anything that was church was religion. And a lot of churches are religious. We're not really a religious church. We're a Jesus church. Jesus isn't religious. Jesus is real. And, you know, my definition of religion is this. Religion talks all about God, but they don't know God. So we don't just talk about him and know him here. 
He does things in people's lives. But anyway, we were sitting there in the sunshine in. And I said, Kenny, you know what? If I ever become religious, that's all, that's all the word I do to say. If I ever become religious, I'll be all the way. Not just sometimes. Because we do Christians that they, uh, go to church for a while, they come on the job and preach. Then they get drunk for a while, be like us. And then they decide they want a God again, they come back and preach to us. And so we was thinking about that. I said, if I ever, if I ever become religious, I'll be all the way or not at all. Well, I was, I was a born again Christian for two or three years. And one day the Lord spoke to my heart. And that's why I think about this verse right. I said, Nathaniel said, I do you before you do me. I was watching you. The Lord spoke to my heart and I forgot all about my sinner days. I wasn't thinking about before I knew God. And he said this to me. He said, I saw you at the sunshine inn. And I, I wasn't thinking about any sunshine inn. I didn't go around any sunshine inns anymore. And when he said that, I thought, what? What are you talking about sunshine inn? He said, I heard what you said to Kenny that night. And then I saw that conversation again. He played it back to me. He said, you said you would be all the way or not at all. He said, I took you at your word. Amen. And so I'm telling you right now, for whoever you are, you may not have yet decided you want Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, but Jesus wants you to be his son or daughter. He's got his hand on you. He's got his eye on you. And I think we ought to give the Lord praise for all the time he saved our lives and we don't even know about it yet. Let's just give him praise. Amen. 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 All the times, all the times that he has his hand on us, and all those times we were doing what we're doing, and Jesus said, I'm looking at their heart. I'm looking at the heart. I know if I get them to come into my family, just as surely as they're gung-ho for what they're doing now, they'll be all the way in for me. Amen. God wants strong-willed people that are strong-willed toward him like they were when they're running from him. Amen. Hey, let me, let me just take a survey. How many here have a good Baptist grandma or mom or some other, some other faith person that you know has prayed for you? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's surprise them this year. Let's just be the year and say, hey, your prayers got answered. Amen. Amen. Send them a nice Christmas card or call and let them know. So anyway, he said, I saw you. And I knew you. Now, I want you to look at chapter 2, verse 5. And everybody knows who Mary, the mother of Jesus is, right? And so anyway, this is the first, when Jesus first began his earthly ministry, he is about 30 years old. And have you all heard of turning the water into wine? That's what this little story is about. And John was there and he saw it. And so anyway, uh, Jesus told his disciples to bring water forward, and then Jesus was going to turn the water into wine. And so look what the mother, mother of Jesus said. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. His mother said, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And so you always get blessed when you obey Jesus. You always get blessed when you obey Jesus. And so I will look at chapter 3. This will be the last passage we go to. Chapter 3. Keep it in mind that Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And so chapter 3, there's a really religious man named Nicodemus. And we'll start reading this in verse 1. And he tells Nicodemus what to do. But this applies to the whole human race. Chapter 3, verse 1. There's a man of the Pharisees 
And that was a group of really religious people named Nicodemus, a ruler, a leader of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, that means teacher, we know thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, and that's where we get the expression born again from, from the lips of Jesus. Born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now let me tell you what that means. There's a difference between seeing the kingdom of God. A few verses later we're going to see that he says, you can't go into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. But what that means is this. When you become born again, your inside changes from being an unsaved person, being a sinner, to being a born-again child of God. And, you know, I think about some of the different religious things that people say, but fact of the matter is this is the Bible talking now. This is not some preacher talking. It's the Bible talking, quoting Jesus from the Bible. Jesus said, except you're born again. So that means there has to be a real thing called born again, or he wouldn't say it. Except you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Well, the kingdom of God is the spiritual realm here on the earth. There's a kingdom of heaven. There's a kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the presence of Jesus on earth doing things in our lives. And so it said you can't see the kingdom of God. What that means is this. You can't understand spiritual things until you're born again. When your heart changes and Jesus changes your heart from just being a human being to being a born-again child of God, then you change on the inside. Then you understand things. You know, when I first got saved after being a sinner for all those years, I didn't do a thing about church. I remember I'd, I'd, I'd come into my job with all the sinner truck drivers I used to hang out with. They'd make fun say things like, oh, you're going to go to a Bible study now, Holy One? Well, they thought it was goofy, it was funny and stupid. I didn't go to a Bible study so I could put a badge on and say, I went to the Bible study this week. I went to the Bible study because I could see the kingdom of God and I understood it. I knew that when I went to the Bible study, or I went to church, and I really jumped in really quickly and became a fanatic. You know what a fanatic is? It comes with the word, fan comes with the word fanatic. How many here know any Dodgers fanatics? How many know any of the uh, Padre fanatics? Or whatever they are. Or, the, or what's, that, what's that American League team down there called? The Angels. I'm not much into sports, you understand. <laughs> okay. I have met some sports fans. That fan is short fanatic. You know, you know what sports fans do? I got a brother that buys, that did the buys Colts season tickets every year. There's fans everywhere. And you know what they do because they're fans? They get season tickets. They get lots of extra money. They go there, they drink their beer. They eat their pretzels and hot dogs. And when something good happens, you know what they do? They jump up out of their seats and they act goofy. Some of them paint themselves all up with things, let everybody know. And then they put big signs together and stuff like that. You know what? They're not ashamed to be a fan or fanatic for something that means something to them. I became a fanatic when I got born again. What I found out that for the first 28 and a half years of my life, that if I took my last breath, I was going to be in hell forever. When I found out that Jesus was real, I become a fanatic. He wasn't just grandma's Jesus anymore. He was my Jesus. And when I found out 
When I found out the devil deceived me all those years, you know what I wanted? I wanted to find out as much about Jesus as I could. And so I went to church on Sunday morning because I knew that laying at home, reading the comic, the comic pages, the funny pages we call them, reading the newspaper, watching stupid stuff like 60 minutes on Sunday morning, that's what it used to be on, all those things. I knew all that was going to do is make me feel worthless. And so I knew that if I want, if I want to have a good week, I'm going to church Sunday morning. And I went to a bona fide, holy roller, Pentecostal church. And so they had about a three hour service on Sunday night. So I went Sunday night. Why did I go? Well, if I used to go to the taverns on Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, anytime I could, and stay out all hours of the night and day and do stupid stuff, why couldn't I go to church two times on a Sunday and do good stuff? And see people that knew God. And then a church we went to also had service on Thursday and Friday night. I went on Thursday and Friday. You know why? I was a fan. I was a fan. And also, the church I went to had revival one week out of the month, every month. You know where I was five nights that week? I was in revival. You know why? I become a fan. I was so grateful to find out that God loved me, that God knew me. And I wanted to know as much about him as I could because I wanted to live for him, wanted to tell everybody about him, so I become a fanatic. And so, see, you don't see that. I see the faces right now. I see that. Pastor, I'll be back Easter. And if my mom twists my hand, I'll come back on Mother's Day too. Well, he said, he said, Except you're born again, you won't understand this. And not only did I become a fanatic about coming, when I got my paycheck, I would write out 10% of what God blessed me with on my job. Somebody said, what God blessed you with? Well, on my job, I, I do the work. If you were sick and knocked out, you couldn't do it. God blesses your health. If you'd lost all your money through some kind of a horrible thing, not, not any fault of your own, like layoff, medical bills, or something like that, you can work all week long and not even have enough money to pay your rent. And so I realized that God's the one that gave me my health. God's the one that gave me my family. God's the one that preserved my job when all these others went out around me. God's the one that kept my job going. And so I was a fanatic, so I gave God 10% of my money. That's how I lived. That's how I lived all these years. And see, somebody's thinking, that's your trouble you're thinking. When you become a child of God, you still use your head for lots of natural things. But Jesus said, you won't see this unless you're born again. In my heart, I see why I go to church all the time. In my heart, I see why Jesus said, go the extra mile. Forgive, you'll be forgiven. Say, if your brother sins against you, forgive him. Amen. I see that. Now, I didn't know it then. And so all the different things that I'm saying today, some of the things that Christians say to you that don't make sense to your head. There's so many things don't make sense to my head yet, but I see with my heart. I know in my heart this is right because the Word says so. Who's the Word? The Word's Jesus. So when we're reading the words of the Bible, we're hearing Jesus talk to our heart. And when He says to do it, we do it. And so we're talking about what John saw and what he heard. So Jesus says that. And then verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb 
and be born. And so see, people that don't have Jesus in their heart, they try to figure out with their head, how can this be? And you know, I was thinking about Jesse Garcia. Where's, where's Jesse? Jesse Garcia, are you back there? Jesse, stand up, please. Now, uh, Terry, could you stand up? Just want to use you guys for an example. See a sweet little mother? Amen. That's sweet Bob. That's sweet son. I was talking to Jesse last week about this verse. I said, Jesse, I can understand Nicodemus now. I said, I dare you to jump in your mom's mouth to try to get in that belly again. <laughs> I said, there's no way, there's no way, way this handsome man get inside this lady again. It can't happen. And that's what Nicodemus said. said, can a man get back into his mom's womb? He tries to figure out how this works. And so then Jesus explains to him. See, he's a man without Jesus in his heart, so he's trying to figure it out. And so Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that means that watery sack that protects the baby in the womb. First of all, you don't exist out here until you come through that water. And so you cut that water, cover the world, except maybe born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That means you're not going to become a part of this, you're not going to go to heaven until you're born of the Spirit. It says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That means when a baby comes into the world, it's born of the flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And that's talking about this born-again experience. Marvel not that I said unto thee, and this is the words of Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born again. Say, me, say, say you must, must be born again. And Mary said, whatsoever he says, do you do it. His mom, hey, how many know mom always knows best? Amen. And so anyway, he says then in verse 8, says in verse 8, the wind blows wherever it wants to, and you hear the sound of the wind, but you cannot tell where it comes and where it goes, so is everyone like this, that is born of the Spirit. And so Jesus said, you must be born again if you want to go to heaven. And then, when you're born again, according to verse 8, you can't see inside the heart, but God can. And so think about this. How many here, and you've never, I'll give you the answer before I say it, you've never seen the wind. You can see what it does. I saw what it did yesterday. I was trying to get rid of a bunch of leaves. And a bunch of dirt. And well, you got a bunch of leaves. We live in the desert. Well, I come from Indiana where we had a lot of trees. So I planted a lot of trees. I've got a lot of trees. And also with trees comes leaves. And so yesterday when I was trying to get rid of the leaves and the trash and all the stuff that happens. Oh, glory to God. I was going this way with it because the wind was going this way to sweep them up. Then halfway through the project, the wind changed and went this way. And so then what I did for two hours got undone going this way. So I went that way. And then my sweet wife reminds me, you got a priest tomorrow. You better be able to move because I did a lot of stuff. And so I stopped. And we will finish that project tomorrow. But anyway, I did not see the wind. I saw what it did. I've got a big American flag in my front yard because I love America. And I like to fly my flag. If I want to know what's going on outside, look out my window. And I see that flag, what it's doing. It's doing what it's doing because the wind that I can't see is affecting something I can see. Jesus said this is what born again is like. said you can't see the Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit. But you can see what it does in somebody's life. And so I know that when I got born again, 
instead of saying words that some of you still say, I change my words to things like heck. And shucks. And things like that. Nobody can see what happened in me, but what was inside of me caused me not to say some of the words I used to say. I quit drinking Miller's because I found it wasn't a high life. Amen. I quit becoming a PBR fan. I started drinking iced tea and water and coffee. Why was that? Because something changed here and affected what happened out here. When people did me wrong, I quit saying, I don't get mad, I get even. I started saying, I forgive you, I'm going to pray for you. And so what, I, what I'm saying is this. If you're wanting true change in your actions, it starts inside of here. When Jesus becomes your Savior because you say, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me, then you become new on the inside, and all of a sudden, you don't want to cuss anymore. Something might slip out sometime, but when it does, you feel bad about it. You say, Jesus, forgive me and help me. And you don't want to do lots of things you're doing now that you absolutely hate because they're ruining your life. But when Jesus comes in, it's like the wind blowing the flag that you can't see the wind. You see the results. Well, in your life, people start saying, well, Frank, what happened? Did you get religion or something? This man here got born again this year, and he belongs to Jesus, and I know there's bound to be chains there. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of people in here that received Jesus this year, and I know that your family says things to you like, what happened to you? You going to church now? And the obvious answer is, I changed on the inside, so I want to go to church. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to church to get good. I'm going to church because I have Jesus. He's showing me how to live good. Amen, amen. And so anyway, when you ask Jesus to forgive your sins and come to your heart, you change on the inside. And the new you on the inside will affect how you think and how you act on the outside. And that's our Christmas message. That all the wonderful things these little children did were very wonderful to see. But they did nothing for what God wanted done if anybody leaves this church today and doesn't receive God's greatest gift. And I, I want to ask you a question. And this is, this is, this not set anybody up. Altar team, you can come up. We're going to close in just a few minutes. But I want to ask you a question. And not going to embarrass you anything. How many today, when those kids said that prayer, a lot of us said it out loud. How many said that prayer out loud today? Amen. How many of you meant that prayer when you said it? Amen. 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 See, Jesus, Jesus wants you to receive what he did for you. He hung on the cross. He died. He was raised from the dead. And Jesus wants the whole world to go to heaven. But I'm going to close this like I started it. There's only two reasons why people wouldn't go to heaven. Number one is ignorance. They didn't know you had to receive Jesus to go to heaven. Number two is disobedience. They didn't do what Jesus said to do. Jesus said you must be born again. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.